0: — Okay, what's going on, everybody? <clears throat> I'm sure you remember this from the Friday Night Show.
1: — This is um, Chris Hallett, this... a man from Florida with a Facebook group and a YouTube channel. —
0: Which is when I discovered that the actual distribution...
1: ——
2: What is Chris Hallett like? — He's a stocky, middle-aged man. He's kind of a round head with uh, short gray hair and a, and a gray goatee, sitting there, you know, often in a, in a tie — but not in a tie in, like, his home office.
1: Hallett's home office is pretty standard. In these videos, he sits at a desk. Behind him, framed certificates line the wall. And it kind of looks like a typical lawyer's office. Actually, a lot of what Chris Hallett does in these videos looks like what a lawyer does.
0: We have to differentiate what's the difference between civil versus criminal. Chris
1: Hallett spends hours talking about the legal system, especially around child custody law.
0: For example, Section 8 of the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction Act contains
1: an unclean hand — And over time, he turned these online lectures into a business, one that earned him good money. But Chris Hallett is not a lawyer. He has no formal legal training, and the legal theory he's espousing in his videos is a conspiracy theory one partially based on anti-government views that the FBI has labeled as extremist.
0: Is the emolument of family court lawful? And the answer is no, right?
1: Because... Over time, Chris Hallett built an entire community around his theory, with an audience of thousands of people, some who are steeped in other conspiracy theories, like QAnon. And eventually... Those online conspiracy theories jumped off the internet and led to violence in the real world. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, July 12th. Coming up on the show, the story of Chris Hallen and how online conspiracy theories sometimes... Turn deadly. In recent years, we've seen examples where conspiracy theories that started online spill over into the real world, sometimes ending in violence. Like in 2016 in Washington, D.C.
3: When a man opened fire on a D.C. pizzeria because he believed Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring inside.
1: Or the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh that left 11 people dead.
0: The shooter was inspired by racist and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories on the white supremacist social media site Gab
1: or a recent example from January.
0: Rioters breaking past the Capitol building's barriers, chanting, stop the steal, interrupting the Electoral College certification of uh, President-elect Joe Biden. Five people were killed, and nearly 140 law enforcement officers were injured during and as a result of the riot.
1: Today's story about online conspiracy spilling over into the real world started years ago. It centers around Chris Hallett, and involves family courts and a follower who Hallett tried to help. Here's our colleague Justin Sheck, who spent months reporting on Chris Hallett, talking to friends and family to understand Hallett's backstory.
2: Chris Hallett had a difficult childhood, as many people do. a lot of instability. He was raised partially by his mother, partially by his grandparents. He ended up training himself to become a car mechanic and worked in auto parts stores. But he he always felt like there was more that he should be accomplishing, more, more that he should be doing. When he was 19 years old, he met a 17-year-old woman at a roller rink where they used to hang out.
1: Chris Hallett married that woman. They had a child together, but the marriage didn't work out. They split up and Hallett moved away. But eventually, Hallett decided he wanted custody of his son. And that's when he first started to interact with child custody law, something that would take hold of his life in the coming years. Hallett spent years trying to get his son back. At one point, he took him without permission and returned him only after law enforcement came. He got married again, had two more kids, got divorced again, and spent more years fighting over custody and child support. And when he went to court... He lost over and over.
2: He became convinced the system was rigged against him. And his life became defined by these obstacles that he viewed. You know, his lack of education, lack of financial opportunity, and a court system that never gave him what he wanted. And that became his, like, the way he defined himself. His entire life revolved around his victimhood, from what his family and and friends told me. And he felt that his lawyers were in cahoots with the court and his ex-wife's lawyers to, to make him lose, to keep taking his money and continually make him the victim.
1: So Hallett set out to try to understand why he was losing his child custody cases. And according to people close to him, he ended up down a rabbit hole.
2: He started studying what he thought were the foundational documents of of American democracy and jurisprudence, the Constitution, but also like some obscure British legal manuals, like things that like have very little, if any, relationship to the way things are done in the court system and decided that the way things were being done was a deeply corrupted version of the way things should be. And he decided that if more people knew this, they would start winning. And so he just started making videos about this.
0: Never done this from this thing before, so just kind of bear with me a little bit. You know anybody who you think might benefit from this, by
2: all means, invite them, share, whatever. And he started doing this and sort of offering legal help to other people who were in a similar situation.
1: And what is he mainly talking about in these videos?
2: He's really talking about his legal theories that, that his supposed proofs for how the court system and the government in general has been corrupted from what the the Constitution laid out, the reason that i'm you're hearing this information goes back to the original Continental Congress. and behind him is often a whiteboard on which she draws these diagrams that, he says lay out his theory for what's gone wrong with the U.S. court system. And it's a combination of like what look like calculus equations. And then he would claim that these sort of flowcharts that had these calculus equations and, and various things could show diagrammatically where a person's legal case, such as his custody case, had been mishandled by the courts. And his kind of obsession was with the emoluments clause. How the emoluments scam actually works. The
1: Emoluments Clause. This is the clause that governs how the president, members of Congress, and other office holders can and cannot be paid. I'm going to try to explain Hallett's theory, and it doesn't make sense because it's a conspiracy theory, but stick with me. So, Chris Hallett developed this theory that lawyers were in violation of the Emoluments Clause because when lawyers are admitted to the bar, they get a new title, Esquire, which he said is a title equivalent to royalty. And because lawyers have this title of royalty, they can't be U.S. citizens. And thus, according to Hallett, can't represent anyone in court. Hallett's theory shares ideas with a larger movement, one typically called the Sovereign Citizens Movement. None of it is true. But, of course, that didn't stop people from watching Hallett's videos on Facebook. What drew people to his videos?
2: Most of them had some custody issue with a kid. Some of them, you know, believe that there was some widespread plan by the government to take children, oftentimes stemming from a custody issue they had.
1: That was what drew in the next important character in today's story, a woman named Neely Petrie Blanchard.
4: So Neely lost custody of her daughter, and that's when her troubles began because she became obsessed with trying to find ways to get that daughter back.
1: That's our colleague Georgia Wells, She says Neely, like Chris Hallett, thought the legal system wasn't being fair to her. Georgia spoke to one of Neely's best friends about Neely at that time.
3: That was definitely a pivotal moment. My sister and I talked about that. And I remember, like, around that time, my sister is like, what's up with Neely's Facebook posts? They're so weird. (laughs) How were they weird? They became more um, political, you might say. She was really into Trump, um, which, you know, isn't that unusual. A lot of people voted for him, but um, just like child trafficking stuff. And like she came to visit me and uh, she kept talking all this weird stuff, all these like satanic rituals and uh, Nancy Pelosi's political connections with like religious figures and uh, religious sex. And, And I was like, what on earth is she talking about? She met my next door neighbor at the time and he was like, everything she said, because I was like so embarrassed that she was even mentioning this like, you know, mumbo jumbo. And my neighbor was like, yeah, 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 I know. And I'm like, (laughs) I thought thought it was like, I thought it was like some weird like delusions or something. But um, then my neighbor agreed to all of it. So I was like, oh, I guess it's like a conspiracy theory thing or something.
1: It was a conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory called QAnon. QAnon is pretty well known by now. The conspiracy incorrectly alleges, essentially, that the world is run by a cabal of Satan worshiping pedophiles. These people control a deep state government and steal children for a child's sex ring. It's a conspiracy theory that's taken hold and seeped into different parts of American culture and politics. To Neely, the theory behind QAnon gave her a worldview to hold on to.
4: You can see how this QAnon theory that people's children are taking away would resonate with a woman whose daughter was taken away and who's trying to do everything she can to get her daughter back. Neely's mother also says that these theories were attractive to Neely because Neely was ashamed that she had lost custody of her daughter. That whenever she mentioned to someone that she lost custody of her daughter, their first reaction would be like, what the heck is wrong with you? And so Neely was looking at these theories that explained why it wasn't your fault. It was the system's fault. Then when QAnon comes along and QAnon is talking about how like, it's not just you, this is a part of this like vast system that's taking people's children away. It clicked for Neely. And then Neely starts, you know, spending up to 15 hours a day online at times, wearing this T-shirt that had the letter Q on it. While
1: spending all that time online, scouring Facebook for anything that could help her get her daughter back, in 2017, Neely came across another Facebook account with some videos that interested her, Chris Hallett.
4: She sees Chris Hallett posting. And she has heard that Chris Hallett has been fighting his own child custody cases. So then Chris connects with her. What appealed to Neely
1: about these videos that Chris made?
4: For Neely, they were explaining, assisting to her, that she always believed was corrupt and working against her. And Chris suddenly said he had proof that there was a conspiracy that took her child away. And he said that his legal theories also said he could help her get this daughter back. And that's what she wanted more than anything.
1: At the time Neely found Chris Hallett on Facebook, he had turned his Facebook account and all those videos into a business, which he named E-Clause for the Emoluments Clause. He started getting money for his videos and for his advice. Here's Justin.
2: Once he had, you know, several thousand followers, he started a Patreon account, and he convinces people that if they pay money to him, like, at a certain level, you would get, like, a, a mug that had one of his slogans on it, and or you can get a t-shirt. You know, this is one of the things that I think you guys are going to really enjoy about the Patreon. Is. And they can get access to what he would call like graduate level courses, lessons that he would give on video. And they could, you know, obtain more knowledge and, and better knowledge to work on their own court cases. You know, he he wasn't making huge amounts of money, but it's a guy who, you know, he didn't have a mortgage to pay. He had like no expenses. Um, he lived with his mother in this duplex. It was paid off. So he was getting like fifteen hundred dollars a month from Patreon. And that was enough to pay all his bills. And he didn't have to work at the auto parts store anymore. And it became a way to kind of like, you know, live a pretty laid-back life where he could record videos for a few hours a day, five or six days a week, and then just sort of hang out.
1: And as people paid Chris for this so-called legal education, he promised he would help them win their cases. The problem was, he didn't have much success.
2: The typical pattern was that Judge would want an argument based on the facts and based on the law, and Chris would prepare documents for someone that oftentimes was in the words of the client. You know, I am a victim of an unfair system. The system is unfair because of all of this stuff involving the emoluments clauses and a bunch of like 19th century British legal procedure manuals, and I demand lots and lots of money from the government. And then the client would lose. And then Chris would like, further say, this is because the system is rigged against you. It was never his fault. So that that was the trajectory that these cases all followed.
1: But most of Chris Hallett's followers didn't realize that he wasn't winning any cases. And in 2018, Hallett agreed to take on another case, Neely Petrie Blanchard's case.
4: Chris would spend hours every week working on her custody cases or telling her that he was working on her custody cases. And in exchange, at least once she paid him, I don't know how much, but then he would say like, you know what? I've done so much work on your case. It's been really, really expensive. Jeez. And then she would say, well, what can I do to help? And so then he was like, well, you could be the social media manager for my group. So then she becomes kind of further entwined in his group when she starts running the recruiting on Facebook and kind of messaging other people who are interested in his cause and doing a lot of the legwork behind like getting this Facebook group to get you know more and more followers. When
1: Neely started managing the Facebook account, more than 50 people a day were messaging e asking for help with their cases. Neely became invested in the group. She even got a license plate with the business name, e
4: She also was like very active on these kind of Zoom calls that Chris did with all of his followers. And so Chris would refer to her as evidence of his own authority because he was working on her case. And he needed more of these people who he was working on their cases so that more and more people would want to come to him for help. I mean, he was even charging people to give them legal advice, but he needed to point to cases that he was working on and he claimed successes on in order to convince people that he had the authority to help them. And Neely was providing this for him. Uh,
0: You know, it's when I met Neely and, you know, oh, here, you know, she drove all the way down here. And, you know, it was almost a month that she was here. And we almost, you know, almost every day, worked on that 801 pages.
4: Chris, in one of the videos, said that they had a father-daughter dynamic.
0: I kind of took her under my wing, as it were, because there's more of a kindred spirit there than just, you know, the relationship that Neely and I have developed. It's, I always say it's more of a father-daughter thing, really.
4: In these videos, it's she's turning to him for advice. He's kind of very avuncular, very comforting. He says he's taking care of everything.
0: I've already handled this case.
4: Right. Well, they know they're depriving my liberty interests. They just... And there's even a photo of the first time they met where you can say to them, and they're both smiling and they're standing next to each other.
1: But their partnership wouldn't end well for either of them. Months later, one of them would be dead and the other in jail For murder. That's after the break.
2: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply.
3: This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR Rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more.
1: As Chris Hallett and Neely's partnership grew, Hallett's online community was doing well. But the undercurrent among its members was becoming more and more conspiracy-minded. Some of his followers said the earth is flat. Others, in comments and on video calls, said that pedophiles in the Pentagon steal children. And did he believe in these conspiracy theories and specifically the QAnon one?
2: From what we can tell, no, not at all. Like what he told people close to him is he didn't believe in them at all. And even on some of the videos and people would start going on about the more outlandish things, he would say, oh, you know, show me some proof. I don't believe that. But he would allow them to keep talking about it. So it seems like he was someone who benefited a lot from other people's belief in QAnon and similar theories because it it helped him attract an audience, some of whom paid for his videos and paid for his services. But he didn't he didn't believe in it, from, from what we know. From what we could tell, he didn't, he didn't believe in it at all. It's significant that there are people who foster the spread of the theories who may not believe in them, or for whom belief in the theory is not the main thing, so they can make some money or, or gain some power.
1: Meanwhile, while working with Hallett, Neely was having more custody troubles. She'd already been fighting a custody battle for her eldest daughter, and she had two other children, seven-year-old twins, who were in her mother's custody. According to a lawyer for Neely, Chris Hallett recommended that Neely kidnap her twins. And in March 2020, Neely did. She was eventually arrested, bailed out, and the twins were returned to her mother's care. That event made Neely's custody cases for her eldest daughter and her twins more complicated. And according to Neely, Chris Hallett started making bigger promises to her. Here's Georgia.
4: The more time passed from when Chris said he could get her daughter back to her, the more outlandish his promises became. So in the beginning, he said, I'm gonna get your daughter back to you. Then his promise became, your custody case is on President Trump's desk. President Trump is aware of this and he's working on it. Then um, he told her that any day now, a U.S. Marshal is gonna deliver your daughter back to you. But Neely
1: was starting to doubt Chris Hallett. And since he wasn't winning any of the other cases like he promised, others in the ECLAWS community started to doubt him, too. And soon, there was a new conspiracy theory spreading, this time about Chris Hallett. The theory was that Chris Hallett wasn't trying to take on allegedly corrupt systems that were keeping people's kids from them, like Child Protective Services. He was working for them. And according to someone close to her, Neely came to believe this theory. Still, Neely continued to work on her case with Chris.
2: In the fall, she made a plan to go down and visit Chris in Florida, stay down there for a little bit, and work on her various cases. They spent a few days together working on on these legal filings. And Neely seemed to be in it. Like, she was, you know, deep in participation with Chris, acting as her advisor on, like, trying to figure out her various legal cases. And one night, when they were working, uh, Neely said she wanted coffee. You know, they'd been staying up late, getting up early, working on this. And Chris went into the kitchen to make some coffee. And as he reached up to the cabinet, Neely went in and said, you know, you're part of the problem. You're trying to keep my kids from me. And then shot him and killed him.
1: Chris Hallett was killed in his kitchen in November 2020. His girlfriend and her daughter were home at the time. They gave statements to the police about the killing. Neely fled the scene. She was later arrested. She's currently in jail in Florida, and Georgia called her there.
4: Hi, Neely. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. Georgia was able to talk to Neely in jail a couple of times. She recorded some of their calls via speakerphone, so everything sounds a little muffled. But Neely didn't want to talk about how Chris Hallett died. She did say that she thought Hallett was after money. Did
4: Did he ever say anything about what his aspirations or his dreams were with the He He said at one point that he was going to be on a, a
3: private jet and he was going to have to deal with pop rock scenes. And when all this came out, that he was basically going to be very well known.
4: Yeah, so he was seeking money and fame, it sounds like.
3: He said, I had to do this right. He said, there was no not doing this right. It had to be perfect. It could not be messed up.
1: Neely said she's continuing to research the law and her legal options.
3: I was just actually on the law library, and I
1: keep on finding stuff that is like relevant to everything going on, so I'm like really kind of excited. Neely's currently awaiting trial on a charge of first-degree murder. Neely's lawyer doesn't deny that Neely shot Chris Hallett and intends to mount a temporary insanity defense. How much does the fact that Chris is making a business out of it, how does those kind of economics incentivize the continuation of the spreading of these conspiracy theories?
2: There are all these people who have some incentive to promote these things is a big part of what's happening. So look, Alex Jones, the radio host, said in court filings that he, he's not news, it's just entertainment. You know, if Chris doesn't have something to gain, if he doesn't have money and an audience and, and some satisfaction to gain from it, especially money, then maybe this community doesn't come together. Maybe Chris is still alive. Maybe there's not a forum for people who are already so distraught over losing their children to explain the reasons for their distress as being like this vast conspiracy that, you know, needs to be attacked. So I I think it's a huge problem that mechanisms are in place for people who may not believe the conspiracy theories to benefit from them.
1: There's just something so sad about it all.
2: Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking because they're all people who just want their children. They just want to be with their children. But when you you know kind of go back and review how it played out, you can sort of see how it happened. Where Neely was obviously conspiracy minded, just this deep QAnon believer. As Chris's life had been, her life had been consumed for you know a decade at that point with trying to get back the children of whom she lost custody, and you know she was in this I think intense kind of bubble of of, of obsession. What this story. I think helped me understand a little bit was how on an individual level these things could happen and how it's not as simple as crazy people all get together on the internet and do crazy things. It's most of these people are searching for something. They're searching for an explanation for what they think went wrong. Sometimes they're searching for money. Sometimes they're searching for an audience or, you know, I think Chris, as much as money and audience, Chris wanted respect. Like he felt that he was someone who was smart and should be respected and said he'd been treated poorly he felt his whole life and here all these people were coming to him asking him for his expertise and so I think this combination of people who were aggrieved and sources on the internet who tell them what they want and people who stand to benefit from spreading these theories creates this like really volatile mess that can turn into violence in the real world
1: That's all for today, Monday, July 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.